I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and deep dive into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality. Learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships. Because everything starts with you. Hello and welcome to the Brown Therapist Podcast. I am so excited to have my next guest, Fitz Kohler. I'm going to read her bio really quickly before we get started. I love it, by the way. It's noisy, bossy, compelling. Fitz Kohler is fitzness.com, is the author of multiple books, including My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, a busy keynote speaker, a professional race announcer, and a fitness expert. Her small company, Fitness International has a global reach and has conquered every avenue of mass media to help people live better and longer. Love, love, love that. So welcome, welcome, Fitz, to the show. Thank you, Yamilka, for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Yes. Yeah, so before you know, we get started with the deep questions, tell us about your business. What do you do? What do you do for your clients? Yeah, so I teach fitness in a different way than most folks. And I started 30 years ago, just as a teenager. So I've been doing this my whole professional life, my whole adult life. But um, the way I teach fitness is via mass media. So while long ago when I used to teach in a classroom or do personal training, I thought that was a fun time, but highly unsatisfying. I started working in television. I think when I was about 20, I got cast in a TV show, Cardio Jam. And as it aired strangers would come up and say, are you Fitz? Yes. I love your show. I work out with you every day. I've lost 17 pounds. Or I love your show and my I, I do it and my back no longer hurts. And so helping strangers was really mind-blowing for me and addicting. And uh, I soon started writing articles and getting incredible feedback from that too. And then I just switched my entire business plan from doing fitness the regular way to large audience, mass impact type work. And so that's what I do. I work in TV, radio, books, magazines. Um, My third and fourth book just come out and I have DVDs. And, you know, when I'm on national television in the morning, by 8 a.m., I've already helped millions of people live better and longer. And I just consider that a really productive day. I love corporate keynotes. Usually it's big corporations bring me in and I get to reach their large audiences, whether it's their workforce or their consumers. And then, of course, with race announcing, there's nothing on earth that is more fun. Nothing. So uh, that's what I do. I make a lot of noise and I boss people around. What's race announcing? Ah, good question. So that's one of the most popular I get is, what is race announcing? That's a real job and they pay you for that? And the answer is yes and yes. Um, So I man the start and finish lines of some of the most largest, most iconic running events in the United States. So Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Big Sur Detroit Free Press. So as thousands of people gather at a start line, I'm there on a big stage playing awesome music. And my job is to engage them, inform them and entertain them. I whip them into a frenzy. My, my start lines are pretty raucous, which I love. 
And I whip them into a frenzy. I yell, go. They take off. They go do the deed. And then they come back to the finish line where I'm waiting. And I can welcome most of these athletes in by name and quite often with hugs. And I am probably far more excited to see these people than even their family. It's just such a gift to spend these days with them. Oh, how exciting. When you said race, I thought it was car racing, but it's actually a marathon racing, right? Something. Yeah. Something like common that. so misconception though. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was going to say, I'd love to do car racing. That would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Drivers start your engines. I can say that. I'd love to. <laughs> That's great. So let me ask you this. Um, we always start the show talking about childhood. Tell me a childhood story that kind of fits into what you do today. Oh, well, easy. One of my very first jobs was at the local skating rink and I was one of those skate rats. I was always there every weekend and I think I was 12 and I applied and I was given the job of the birthday clown. (laughs) So on the weekends where kids showed up to have their birthday parties, I led the hokey pokey. I led shoot the duck, all these cool roller skating games. And then I served the pizza and the hot dogs and the um, cake. So yeah, birthday clown. I don't think my job description has changed much since I was 12. So I love that. Love that. We always bring something from our childhood to our current, our current life. Right. And, and it's good because we want to keep it that way. So I had you fill out a quiz, correct? Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this archetype. The way that I look at branding or personal branding is through archetypes. It really helps my clients get a better definition of their brand and understand the authenticity that they're putting out there. Because a lot of times um, we tend to be heckle and jide and we, we really want to focus on a particular sort of authenticity and character, which I can see yours, but I'm going to read it to you. And you're going to tell me, because I know this is the first time you've done this live on the show. And I always do this with my guests. Tell me if you feel like it sounds like you. Okay. Okay. So you selected magician where there's a will, there's a way a magician sees the world as systems and is attracted to things that help them change, transform and heal. The motivation is changed. The need is to transform. The fear is being undervalued and the behaviors are inquires about the world around them, sees the world as systems and achieves unbelievable feats. I guess for sure. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to continue on the questions because I want you to, I have some words here and I want you to tell me your definition of each of these. Okay. So what does adaptive mean to you? Adaptive. Well, I am flexible indeed. In fact, a couple of years ago when I was going through cancer care uh, and I had to travel across this fine country of ours, bald and sick, I was as flexible as it gets in order to get to my end goal of doing the job that I wanted to do. So yeah, flexibility goes a long way. Not Life is not perfect and I don't accept excuses and I certainly don't uh, use the word can't very often. So yeah, adaptive and flexibility are must haves. Yeah, because magicians make magic literally and figuratively. So insightful, what does that word mean to you? Thinking outside the box. I have a few people in my life who are incredibly insightful and they see things in a different way, which I appreciate. They uh, don't have that straightforward view. They care about the backstory and 
yeah, insightful is very important. I think it's it's a more slow moving process, but very valuable. Persuasive. It's probably the backbone of who I am. I have to convince people that their health matters, that fitness can be understandable, attainable, and fun. And if I don't do that, I, I fail. So persuasion is very important, critical for me. Love it. Dynamic. Uh, dynamic is engaging, right? So I strive to be dynamic. I know I've sat in audiences where people just drone in a monotone fashion, and I don't want to hear what they have to say anymore. I get that hint very quickly, who's going to be entertaining and engaging and who's not. So dynamic also something I strive to be because it's the thing that captures attention and you can only convey your message and compel people to do better, be better if they're engaged. Magnetic. Well, isn't that something we all hope to be? You hope. <laughs> you hope people are drawn to you and think that you're interesting and worthy of their attention. Love it. Okay. So now my next question for you is, how would you define your personal brand? <sighs> Honest, aggressive, joyful, noisy. Okay, let me ask you this. We all have a fame story. I believe we all do. Socrates talked about fame being honorable. So I want to ask you, what's your fame story? I am the greatest cheerleader anyone ever met. I treat my athletes, the people I serve, the people I guide towards fitness. I make them feel spectacular. And yes, so I teach them and convince them to do better and yeah, sometimes I have to yank the best out of people, which I'm willing to do, but I make people feel wonderful about themselves and I help them achieve. And, I, and that's the most important thing I do. There's not really anything uniquely special about me. I'm not the most beautiful. I'm not the most funny. I'm not the most stylish. Um, my fame story would be what I do to help others live better and longer. Oh, I love that. And what is your greatest fear? Losing my children. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Ginger and Parker. I'm sure every parent probably has the same story. But uh, when I was faced with possibly losing my life, when I was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, sure, I was afraid of dying. But the thing that just gutted me was not being able to watch Ginger and Parker growing up, not being with them. It was the loss of their life was by far a bigger concern than my own. So tell me a story about a time where you were holding back from something. When were you holding back and not living your full life? I, that's a good question because I don't hold back a lot. I've learned, I learned really early to not do that. But I can tell you when I was younger, I was a competitive kickboxer, full contact kickboxer. And I, I competed for almost 10 years, which was such a fun sport. I loved it. Wow. And because it was full contact kickboxing was, that was the premier uh, combat sport next to boxing. Uh, UFC was just starting off at the time, but there weren't a lot of women doing it. And most of the women who fought kind of pulled up this persona of like, they were kind of tough guys type thing. And I still wore sundresses and so forth. So magazines took a liking to me and they were constantly writing articles about me, which was cool. They would fly me out to Los Angeles, see great photo shoots. But then when I'd go to the bookstore and open up the magazine, it was crap. They would spell my name wrong. My first name is four letters. It's hard to butcher, but they put an R in there, you know, fizz, fritz, all these things that were wrong. 
they would make up quotes. So I was getting a master's in exercise and sports sciences. When I was being interviewed, I was speaking as an expert on a subject, but they would just make quotes up and make me look like a dummy. So really what I wanted to do was write the articles myself, but I was afraid to ask. And this went on for a very long time where I would show up at a bookstore, see this magazine, beautiful color, eight page color spread, and I'd be so frustrated. And so one day after a particularly brutal training session, I went to a bookstore, I got another magazine featuring me and got into my Jeep and I was so upset, just really irritated by the content. And I thought, well, I wish I could just write the article, but I was, I was just too afraid to ask. And finally, I had the aha moment where I thought, you know what, dummy, you stand in a ring in front of thousands of people facing off against someone who wants to knock you clear unconscious. You just this morning fought four different people way larger than you in preparation for another fight. And you're afraid to make a phone call. You're afraid to ask a question. There is no bleeding, bruising, or broken bones involved in asking a question. So I went back to the office and I picked up the phone and I called the editor. I think it was Black Belt Magazine at the time. And I said, hey, Bob. He said, hey, I said, this is Fitz. Oh, hey, Fitz, how you doing? Great. I got a question for you. I said, okay. I said, Bob, I would like to write an article for you. He said, oh, that would be fantastic. And then he said, how much money do you need? And I thought, oh. Oh my gosh, he's, he said, yes, and he's going to give me money. And so I was holding myself back because I was afraid to ask. And so after that point, my mantra, my motto has been, if it does not cause serious bleeding, bruising, or broken bones, I'm going for it. I'm not afraid of anything. You know, it's so funny you say that because I was on a magazine, probably one of the first ones that I was in. I read the article and they had said I was from Brazil, which I'm not Venezuelan. And then they said all these things, they were incorrect, right? And I'm like, what is going on? And I remember somebody say one time, way after that, that you have to tell your story from your perspective, because if not, people are going to do whatever they want with your story. And so I, I love that you took kind of like charge and decided to ask and ask if you could write your story. And I think from now on, I always ask them, you know, can I um, look at what you write before you print it? Can I help write? You know, can I give you more facts? Because it's not, you know, their fault. Sometimes they just don't hear right, or it's too quick for them, or they haven't, you know, had time to really do their research. And so it's good for us to ask the questions and see if there's any way that we can tell our story from our perspective versus letting them tell their story from their perspective. So that's amazing. We thank our sponsor, BespokeBranding.io. Tailored branding to reach your ideal client. Gain a deeper level of understanding to empower your brand and purpose and rule the market. We know what it's like to journey from a place of feeling overwhelmed and undervalued to being powerful, understood, and authentic. Your brand identity allows you to live your purpose. The Brand Therapist has 20 years of branding and design experience, has transformed billion dollar brands, and has eight plus years of guiding women entrepreneurs to realize their potential. I invite you to take the brand quiz and you can find it at www bespokebranding.io
Now, the next question I want to ask you is, we all need mentors in this life and guides, mentors, whatever you want to call it. Everybody has them in different ways. So I want you to tell me a story of a mentor that you really looked up to or that really helped you along the way. And the most recent and the one I'm so very grateful for, his name is Rudy Novotny, and he is the gentleman who got me involved in race announcing. And so I had been teaching clinics. I was basically working as the fitness expert for Disney for their race series, their run Disney events. And whenever they had a race weekend, they would have me come in and I would teach strength training for runners and other similar workshops. But Rudy, who was the run Disney race announcer, and I had run many of his races and boy, was he charismatic, the big booming voice, truly cared about the athletes. Uh, He made everything better. He was stuck introducing the speakers at the expo or tasked with. So he was constantly introducing me and um, then he'd have to sit and listen to me, blah, blah, blah for an hour or so. And he was always so complimentary. And then one day he said, you know what? You're so engaging. I need a co-announcer for the OC Marathon. That's Orange County in California in a few months are you interested? And I said, well, I see what you do. It looks like a lot of fun. I would love to. I've never done it before. Um, He said, I'll show you the ropes. I think it'll fit like a glove. So he connects me with the race director. I'm race director, has a brief conversation with me and says, yeah, I'd love to give it a go. I show up in OC. About an hour after yelling go for the first time on marathon morning, the race director came back over and said, can you come back next year? And uh, thank goodness for Rudy He took the natural talents I already had, speaking to a large audience, rallying the troops, getting people excited. And, you know, he showed me the ropes and opened the door to this extraordinary career. I mean, again, most people don't even know that this profession exists, but I make the great majority of my income doing it now. And the great majority of people in my life are from my race announcing work. And it's just such a great gift. And I thank him all the time. I never stop thanking him for opening up this career opportunity. It's been wonderful. Yeah. You never know what comes from a mentor or a guide or somebody who just wants to help other people. So I love that. Love that story. So let me ask you this. Lessons learned. Give me two to three lessons learned about your life, what you've gone through. Oh, lessons learned. It's just, I mean, there's so many. Um, I learned to negotiate. I think negotiating used to also seem very scary to me. I used to hate to talk money. And this is a, I think, a very good example. So many years ago, I was pursued to become executive director of a nonprofit. Now, before this point, really in my, my whole career, there's only been one year where I made a salary, and that was this year. I'd always worked on contracts, so people were paying me 1000 at a time or 10000 at a time or whatever it was, but it wasn't an annual salary. So the board decides I'm definitely the person they want to hire. And they say, listen, let's have lunch next week. We'll talk salary. So then I got to come up with a salary. What am I going to come up with, right? This isn't foreign to me. I'm accustomed to be paying 1000 or 10000 not a year. So what do I do? I decide, you know what? I'm going to ask for 75. 75,000 a year. It's very arbitrary. And I went into this meeting, we talk around things, blah, blah, blah. And finally, the person I'm with says, so Fitz, you know, what are you going to need as far as your salary goes? Now, in my mind, I'm going to ask for 75. And if they say no, I'm willing to settle at 60 or whatever. But I said, well, I'm going to need 75,000. That person goes, 
done. And the second that person said done, I went, oh, because I knew I left money on the table. I should have asked for a hundred. I should have asked for 125. So instead of walking out of there super excited by my $75,000 a year job, I left feeling like I blew it. I blew it. And so I'm not afraid to ask for what I really want anymore. Sometimes I think it's okay to ask maybe a little more than you want. And then I'm also okay walking away. I've had times where I've said, this is what I need. And if they say we can't do that, and I'll say, well, I appreciate you reaching out, but that's not going to work for me. And inevitably, people come back and say, you know, we found the money. You're worth it. So yeah, negotiating. So that's one. What's another good lesson? Another good lesson is not to tolerate crap from other people. You know, I've been belittled and stabbed in the back a few times, never once from a man, always another woman, which is disappointing, right? But there are mean girls. And there's been a few times where I've been the victim of the ire of the mean girls. And what I tried to do is just be the bigger person, go go about doing my job and ignore them. But what I believe I should have done is addressed it quickly, I didn't want the boss guy to think that I was filled with trauma. I just didn't want to be associated with their nonsense, but it became a toxic situation and I let it go too long. So um, definitely address mean people or bad behavior quickly. Um, And a third lesson I have, it was self-generated. When I was sick, I decided that I was not giving up my career. I was just not going to do it. And I, I had 15 months of chemo ahead of me and 33 rounds of radiation and several surgeries. And in that state, most people would have totally understood if I would have taken a year and a half off, right? They would have said, oh, that makes sense. She's sick. She, But instead I decided, hell no, I'm not letting cancer take this from me. I wasn't gonna let it take time with my kids or my career. And so I doubled down. I boarded every single plane I was booked for over 30 trips out of Gainesville, Florida, across America. And um, the lesson learned is when you choose a career or build, create a career that you're so desperately in love with, the right one for you, you will do anything to pursue it, even a deal with cancer. So I basically had a violent stomach bug every day for 15 months. I was a catastrophe. Everything was going wrong. I was bald. My fingernails were ripping off. My eyes changed color. I was a mess, but I was also an unstoppable force. When I wanted to go to an event, I was going and I would sleep on those hotel bathroom floors and uh, I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I'd drag myself up and I'd get dressed. And the second I got on those stages, everything that was wrong with me vanished. And I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again as long as I was at these incredible events serving these thousands of people that I adored. And so lesson learned, don't let anything get in your way. You know, right now, make sure your career path is one that's worth fighting for, one that fills you with such joy, one that you would do even while facing a potentially fatal disease. You know, so many people say, oh, well, if I got sick, I would quit. All right. I mean, you can do that. But wouldn't it be even better if you thought, well, even if I got sick, there's, you know, wild horses couldn't hold me back from this thing. And so some people hit that fork in the road and they think, "Uh oh, I got to go the other way. And I hit the fork in the road and, um, I turned that fork into a knife. I just went straight through it and said, I'm not letting this go. And instead of my business dying, because I took a year and a half off, my business tripled during that time. So lesson learned. Yeah. 
That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. I did want to ask you, though, going back to negotiations, like, how do you set your pricing now? Do you feel into it? Or do you have some sort of a specific way of putting the price and feeling really good about it? You know, it depends on what. So for example, my books, my books are not leisure reading. They're of value. They're guidebooks, right? So they're a little, they're in the high 20s. And I feel good about that because they will be life-changing books. There's information in these books that will be worth thousands, tens of thousands to people, right? So what is your health work? I think there's good value. When it comes to speaking, I've made gradual progress over the years. I've been doing this for a very long time. I think back in the day, I did speak for free, right? I was just looking forward to getting practice and experience and getting my name out there. And then I had kids. I thought, well, I can't go anywhere for free. I'm not leaving my kids for free, right? And now there's a bit of of a competitive margin on my time. If you want my time, if you want me to get on a plane and leave my kids and even worse, my dogs, there's a top dollar, you know? So the speaking fees have gradually risen. And what I find is the people that are paying five figures for my speaking engagements, those are the people that are most excited to have me. They don't ever feel like they got ripped off. These are the people that say, worth every penny. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. And they feel like they're getting a great deal. So yeah, you you do have to be smart. You're not going to come out of the gates as a $20,000 anything. You have to start small and build your way. And you know, once you build your clientele up, comfortable at a certain point, you go to the next level based on your value and people's reviews and the chatter about you and your skills and your outcomes, your performance, right? When you're a proven product, it's easier to charge more. I love that. So tell me, what's the future for Fitzkohler? (sighs) Bright, bright, full throttle. I'm not even halfway there yet. There's no satisfaction. I don't know if I will ever be satisfied. In my mind, I've envisioned 10 books. So right now I'm up to four. And as you know, they're colossal projects, but they're really satisfying, really rewarding. So 10 books, keynotes are are just such a great way to connect with people. You know, when I do race announcing, and I love race announcing, I've got a, most of my weekends are filled with race announcing, but I'm giving them that experience for the day or the weekend when I get to talk to people and uh, deliver this information with keynotes and I get to change them for the future. You know, I get to plant seeds in their head and explain not only why is this stuff important, but how to get it done. So that really is at the heart of who I am. I'll always be fitness expert first. So the keynotes are big. And then I have a large school running program called the Morning Mile. And it's in over 400 schools worldwide, but I'd love to see the Morning Mile in every school in America. And if folks are listening and you'd like to Help me get more kids moving in the morning. Visit morningmile.com. So, so yeah, books. And, and then, of course, now helping cancer patients. Because you know what's interesting? There's not a lot of resources out there. When I looked just recently, I got on Amazon. And I looked up cancer and fitness. There was one book. It's 20 years old, and it's crap. It's absolute crap. And I'm not going to say who it is, but it's useless. It doesn't talk about actual fitness at all. I'm not sure what the purpose of this book was. But, yeah, now I have these tools when I hit rock bottom as a cancer patient, and rock bottom for me was skeletally thin, uh, devastatingly weak. I could barely open a water bottle. I mean, it was so bad. I was a shell of who I used to be. But I never, ever thought I was stuck. I knew that I would dig my way out of that hole using my 
my fitness expertise and my nutrition expertise and so forth. And, and I would be healthy and fit and athletic and, again. And I, I was and I am. But when I hit rock bottom, I, I had that moment where I, I just felt so much pain for my peers, right? Those cancer patients and survivors who, you know, fine, maybe now they're done with treatment, but their body has been ravaged and they don't know how to get better. And so these books I am so excited about because it's a resource people need. It's in layman's terms. I've had and my beta reading. You understand what that is. You write the book and then you let people read it and say, well, what do you think? And my, my question to them is, would you read it and tell me what you hate about it? And so I sent the book off to cancer patients and oncologists and nutritionists. And I said, what do you hate about this book? Thankfully, nobody hated anything. They gave me some really good tweaks. But yeah, the fact that one of the oncologists who read it has already bought order 50 for her patients. So I'm so excited. You know, like moving forward, I never thought I'd be in this cancer world. I mean, who wants to be in the cancer world? But if my role gets to be helping people make their bodies more hostile environment for cancer and helping them get back to vibrancy and health and full, full-fledged full life when they're done, I think it's a great privilege. So that's what's next. You know, it's so interesting with all this fitness stuff. You know, I, I've, um, I'm not a fitness teacher, but I've done a lot of fitness in my life. And actually, it's so interesting because just this year, I had a breakthrough in the sense of if I don't prioritize my fitness and health and nutrition, I'm not going to be able to give my full anything, whether it's work or family, because if you're not healthy in your body and mind, it's very difficult to perform at the level you want to perform. And I think I knew this for a long time, but I just hadn't internalized it till this year. So what you just said right there are some of the major tenets of, of my corporate keynotes. You know, it's fitness. Okay, it's it used to be about when we were teenagers, it was about looking great in a swimsuit or a pair of, pair of jeans. Now, fitness and health and longevity is about you feeling like a good person, venting your toxic stress, uh, doing better professionally. You know, fitness will take a positive toll on your career and lack of fitness will have a negative toll. You know, will you be a better spouse, a better parent, a better partner if you are healthy and you take, hell yeah, you will be. So, you know, just like you said it, this is vital to your overall success. And um, yeah, I'm glad you've, I'm glad you've experienced that. And I hope your commitment is never to let that go. Yes, actually, I, I committed to, I have a mastermind and we, I committed to something pretty intense here with it because it's not just about... I'm going to be posting on Instagram, my morning rituals, whether they're fitness, health. I mean, I'm not a health coach, but I thought that was important to me because the more I can show the outside part of this, I think it'll help me inside of it. I think it'll help me kind of externalize it a little bit more. But let me ask you this. Where can people find you? Where do you hang out? Where do you like to hang out on socials? Oh, on social. So on social, I'm at fitness everywhere. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I really like LinkedIn connecting too. I think LinkedIn is just a superior place for professionals. And for the most part, people keep it to professional fodder, which I like very much. And, and this is my request is if you follow me on social media, I promise quality content in return. But really what I prefer 
is for you to reach out and actually use comments and say, hey, I heard you on Yamilka's podcast and I wanted to say hello because I would much rather have friends than followers. So um, that's fitness on social. And then fitness.com is my home base for everything. There's tons of free resources, free workout videos, recipes, articles. And then all of my books are available at fitness.com, my online courses. And um, while you can buy my books wherever books are sold, anywhere in the world, what I prefer is if you buy them at fitness.com, I sign every last one of them who leaves my office and I send them in really pretty packaging because I want my readers to feel fancy and loved. And uh, yeah, I feel such a great appreciation and enthusiasm for people that come to me for health and fitness advice that I want to get to know them in return. Oh, I love that. I love it. it's the total experience for them yeah. to have. Let's be friends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Fitz, for being on the show. I'm so glad we met over the Ethernets and that we, I was able to meet you and talk to you. And I'm sure we'll keep this relationship going. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to people who are so passionate about what they do. And I hope we get to see you in the future and see where your journey takes you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you would like to connect on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding or bespokebranding.io. And if you would like to do the brand character quiz, go to bespokebranding.io and click on brand quiz. Or you can email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.